Yes, hello and welcome back to the Shooting Zars Euros podcast. I'm Stuart Marshall, back with two of my oldest friends, Bryce Conway and Alex Grant. We're coming to you this time from Zoom. We've done it. We've gone virtual, all sporting different backgrounds, but we're back for the Euros this time around, boys. Granty, how are we going, Bryce? How are we? Alex, we'll start with you. Over in Korea, mate. Euros are around the corner. We were just reminiscing just before we started recording about the first game we all watched together of the World Cup podcast three years ago now, which is bonkers. It's been that long. Robbie Williams on the screen, Russia World Cup. It's all happening again, isn't it? Welcome. How you going, boys? Good, mate. Yeah, it's great to be back once again. Like you just said, we were reminiscing and trying to remember all the all the pods and chats we had and oh mate brings back some great memories but hopefully we can create some more and hopefully the uh, the football is as good as the chat I'm sure it will be if not better but um, yeah that's that's the way forward we're talking about the Euros this time so it's going to be uh, an interesting month or so the chat's definitely going to be better I know that that's what our listeners should uh, hang their hat on. But Bryce, tell everyone what we're going to be doing. First off, how are you and what are we hoping to achieve with this podcast? We decided to come back, you know, to get the juices flowing again for us. But also we want to, you know, get back into talking about footy. But what, what do you want to, what are we going to try and bring this this tournament? I think it's just getting the blood pumping again about football. It's been a difficult period over the past year or so with, the lack of crowds, the old Super League nonsense um, and all that. So I just think it's about getting a bit of fire in the belly back about football because it's been pretty grim the past couple of years, I'd say. Yeah, has especially without us, Especially without us exactly. talking about it. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. I think that's, that's the third one. That's the holy trinity there of just you no know, dumb Super League, no fans and no shootings are for, for a temporary period. It's just awful. So what are we going to do, boys? This is now a major tournament podcast. Is that is that, is that what it is, Granty? You know, we're going to be coming back for every major tournament. We've got the Qatar World Cup next year, next November. So oh, we, said, we said that last time, didn't we? We said that last time. <laughs> yeah. We ended up getting a little carried away and then we went and rolled on <laughs> with the Prem and and then we all went our separate ways and uh, it got put in the bin. But, um, no, we, we, always, we, we, always said, we always said that we... We put it on hold. It was yeah. postponed. There you it go. Was, Stewie just got big time as Fox Sports, that's all. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like we saw COVID coming and we thought, ah, we'll, exactly we'll nip right. it in the bud early doors yeah. before that all breaks out and cause an absolute Fish shit storm high, no. like it did. <laughs> yeah, and we're still going through it because here we are. We're all yeah. different, different uh, areas across the globe. So it's, um, yeah, it's going to be fun doing it on Zoom anyway and... It's got, it's got to like that feel. I can't slap you across the egg, Bryce, if you make the wrong remark or, you know. All right, there's I like, go at Pogba not... again. Yeah, that's it. Mesut Ozil. Yeah, yeah great oh, scene oh, as his oh mate, Bryce. Yeah. when he left. That's good. Yeah, COVID. You mean, I mean, we all mentioned COVID. I'm in Sydney, for the listeners. I'm in Sydney. Bryce is in Perth and... Granty's all the way over in Korea, chasing, chasing a new world over there. <laughs> he's, he's wondering how he got there. How's the COVID situation over there, Al? Give us a little insight into life in Korea for the many listeners that I'm sure are going to be quite interested in what's going on for you. 
Yeah, pretty good, mate. Um, can't complain. I think one thing that I've learned or one thing I've seen since I've been here is that the world can continue pretty much as normal with COVID, you know, lingering in the background. I think that the Koreans have probably, although they do have some cases, um, you know, roaming the streets, I think they've dealt with it pretty well over here and they probably got a few more cases than they do back home in ours, but, you know, life just seems to to carry on without any you know lockdowns or serious restrictions everyone seems to abide by the rules of wearing a mask and social distancing and i think the maximum amount of people you can spend any one time with is four so you know three's a crowd four's the max and that's about it so it's pretty normal like i said and everyone is quite respectful over here the rules and like i said they just get on with it and where are you You're playing for the pohang steelers now so whereabouts is pohang in korea so pohang's yeah we're, we're on the coast um it's on the eastern side of the country it's only a small country and um, i think on the scheme of things when you compare it to ours and only takes you four hours or so from here to get to seoul and everywhere is pretty accessible so it's um it's been good, been a good experience so far. Obviously, you know the football hasn't panned out the way I wanted it to at the moment. I got injured early on in the season in my debut, unfortunately, and then I've kind of um, struggled to to get right really over the last few months. But I'm back running now and back in with the team, and we're off to Thailand in a couple of weeks for the Champions League, which will be a great experience. So it means going into a hub and leaving the misses and and my little boy but you know it's all part and parcel of it in these crazy times that we're living what's um i mean i'm just curious about the is there any covid rigorous covid testing on like a weekly or daily basis now in korea like i'm just maybe comparing it to when you went into the a-league hub last season in in australia in sydney but is there is there any yeah is there any systems around covid testing on a more frequent basis or is it kind of just you know, no, not really. I mean, I, I had one when I first arrived and I know that the, the testing system seems to be run quite well here and obviously they're picking up cases, the majority of which being in Seoul, um, in the capital. I think that's where, you know, the most popular popular city in the in the country. So it's um, only, only right, really, that you'd expect to see the most cases there. Um, down here in Poang, you get the odd notification on your phone every now and then from the government warning you that oh, there's been a, a case in such and such a spot. So um, apart from that, mate, it's, it's pretty cruisy. I mean, like I said, everything's just working working as normal, really. And what about vaccines? Is the country vaccinated much? I think, that... I think I think I think Korea um, have kind of took a backward step to the whole vaccine um, situation and. Like they're not really i think i think they just kind of they're waiting to see how the world kind of you know does their bit first before they, they jump to anything too quick i mean i wouldn't mind getting them out the door quicker yeah. really so i can get one and then hopefully that allows me or gives me something to look forward to coming back to us potentially and seeing the family and if restrictions or whatever are changed going back into quarantine back in Australia but at the moment yeah we haven't really heard anything much I was offered one actually through the club the other day but it was kind of an optional one I'd never heard of the vaccine 
itself. So God knows what it was. Um, <laughs> what was so, an AstraZeneca or Pfizer? Vaccine, it, sure. it, it wasn't one of the. It wasn't one of the um, the ones we've heard in the in the news um, mm. more frequently. So I mean that that was an interesting message to receive. So they sent they did forward a uh, a web page as well where you could kind of have a look and but I kind of just. Uh, shafted that to one side and I'll just wait for the <laughs> the visors or the ashes or whatever comes next yeah all right okay um and okay let's, let's switch to the, the football side I suppose of Korea like is it you know what I guess what surprised you has it been sort of you know moving from the A-League to the K-League you're in the top division there in Korea sort of what's it yeah give us insight into what that's like and sort of the game you did play how was that yeah, the, the football area, I mean, people obviously really like football here. It's a popular sport. It's not the most popular sport in Korea, which I thought it was before arriving, and it turns out baseball's the Is number gaming? one sport. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah probably gaming's up there as well, because you walk past down the streets and they've got these little gaming centres where people look like they've had no sleep for days. Really? And, you know, they're just drinking cans of mother and... Is that like Japan? Like... I mean, just tuned in and I don't know. And, um, but yeah, apparently it's like some of the footballers and stuff, like they see the esports guys as like the celebrities in Korea. Like they're the top dogs, not the footballers being the top dogs. It's, it's interesting. Wow, it's massive is... over there. Yeah, really interesting. <laughs> yeah. No, I know, I know baseball's, I think, the number one sport. Yeah. But yeah, I think football's not too far behind. Obviously, esports is probably up there as well. But yeah, I mean, the standard of football is good. The, the Korean players, the you know, technically very gifted. I think that's one thing, one area I've noticed that compared to Australia, the, the te- technical side of the game um, is probably a lot better than what it is back home. But, you know, there's different aspects to the game and um, there's probably areas of the game in Australia that outshines K-League football, I'd say. Um, and it's just different everywhere in the world and Wherever you go, football is always going to be similar, but it's always going to be slightly different as well. So, yeah, it's been it's been an enjoyable experience trying to learn the culture as well within football. Um, you know, I've not seen many scuffles in training, and everyone's quite respectful. It doesn't, you know, there's not not much arguing going on, as to what I've seen in the past back in Oz and in the UK. So, I've got to uh, bite my tongue sometimes when I want to uh, lose my shit. But, you know, it's, uh, that's just the way it's done here. You just kind of keep it to yourself and that's the way they do it. How's the um, how's the style of football grind? Because I know in Australia, I feel like Korea, from an outsider's point of view, has a reputation for being very regimented and fitness-based and like players being run into the ground, it's based on that. But you seem to, uh, to set up the technical stuff's like a real important focus for them. So how have you found the style and approach to football over there? Yeah, I think, I mean, the... The style of football, I think all the teams within the league, they play pretty a pretty similar style. Um, and like I said, yeah, the players are technically gifted. Um, but like you touched on, Bryce, it's all pretty regimented. So it's all similar across the league. So there's not really much that separates the teams on, on game day. I think the, the best team in the league could easily be beaten by the bottom team in the league solely based on, you know, whoever turns up on the day, I think, who wants it more. And I think the mental side of it um, plays a massive part over here. And like I said, 
whoever wants the, the win on the day generally generally picks up the three points. So that's been an interesting side to see. Um, yeah, but the, the tactics and, and things like that, they're, they're all pretty similar. I mean, um, it's a pretty expansive kind of football. It's, it's quicker, I'd say, than the A-League. Like you said, the players here are running to the ground in pre-season and they are fit. Players are fit all over the world, but that is one thing I've noticed that they do like to press press high generally and and, and close close the opposition down um, as often as they can. So the ball does get moved around a lot quicker. And I think with the being a relegation and promotion battle involved, it definitely adds a different aspect to the game. Something that mm. I think we spoke about would definitely benefit the A League. Um, and it changes the style of football. And you notice, especially if a team's behind in the last 10 minutes, that football changes completely. And you see the ball getting pumped into the box and the big men go forward and everyone throws everything at it. And that's what they've got to do to, to try and get a goal or to win the game in the dying, dying moment. So that's also been a something I've probably forgotten about after spending five years in the A-League because... You know, points here matter. Um, you know, you're picking bonuses up and when you're fighting for um, your position in the league and trying to stay up, no team wants to go down and get relegated. So, yeah, that's that's been exciting. And the, the league here after, I think it's 32 or 30, 33 games possibly, I think it is, the, the league gets split in half with the promotion six or they call it the championship six or whatever it is and then the relegation six at the bottom who fight fight off for relegation and staying in the league so that everyone plays everyone it once once more um to pick up extra points so the league is split off into two so two been, sections which is interesting like, like the afl like the final system i suppose that you see in australia yeah yeah i guess way. in a way yeah yeah, yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna bit, ask that. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't really want to compare it to that sport. But yeah, it's, um... <laughs> no, I just just the COD playoffs. Um, yeah, no, a bit similar. Looking at the the K League table, you're about 18 match days in. Ulsan Hyundai atop of the table. Suwon Blue Wings are second top, if I'm not mistaken. Ulsan Hyundai is where Jason Davidson is currently and Suwon Bluings was where Adam Taggart played Taggart. last season. Yeah. Um, you got Ter- Terry Antonis is there. Terry Antonis. The moment, yeah. uh, Pohang Steelers, obviously you're there now, but Brandon O'Neill um, previously had played for them. But, you know, mm-hmm. coming up, have you seen any of those Aussie boys that are in the league currently on match days or maybe home match days, seeing as you've been injured, have you... Been able to bump into anyone from Australia yet, or or not quite? Uh, unfortunately, not the f- the first game we played at Incheon. So Harrison Delbridge plays for them, um, and he's been having quite a good season from what I've seen. And unfortunately, because I got injured, I got whisked away in an ambulance um, to hospital. So I was looking. I'd actually messaged him before the game, saying I'll catch up with him afterwards. And unfortunately, I can't do that. Um, so I'll have you to just wait. didn't want to catch up, did you, mate? Yeah, oh, yeah that was plan. it. Yeah, yeah. Went, yeah went down, went down. But I. Uh, we played Gangwon at home a few weeks ago and um, Kim Subom, who was formerly oh, Perth, Perth Glory, um, a good character within the dressing room at Glory, uh, even though we didn't speak much English. And one thing that did surprise me when I spoke to him is um, his English had got a lot better since returning to Korea, which was <laughs> crazy. So we, we had a good chat after the game and uh, yeah, he was surprised by the, the little bit of Korean I could speak. 
yeah, we had a good chuckle about that. And uh, <laughs> I don't think the accent was quite right, but I give it a go anyway. But yeah, I had a good chat with him. But yeah, besides that, I bit you know, it's uh, it's hard when you're away from home and there aren't many people um, here to reach out to, um, you know, face to face. So every now and then I do flick a message across to some of the Aussie boys who are out here. Absolutely, that makes total sense. I mean, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I've asked you this. I mean, off air, I, I suppose. But in terms of being the foreigner now for you, right? Like, you know, we've had a brief conversation. Like you mentioned, your former teammate there, Sue, who had, um, you know, come to glory, you know, as a foreigner in the league, didn't speak much English, but now the shoes on the other foot for you, where you are, you know, not an English speaking country, being one of, if not the only fluent speaker, English speakers or native tongues, English speakers in the team. How have you found that? Have you got an interpreter? Um, what's your day-to-day like in terms of experiencing that side of football, which you often see at the highest level, at least, where the, you know, in the Premier League, you obviously got foreign players and it's sort of more exposed for uh, non-English speakers having to do that. But for yeah, how's it been for you anyway? Yeah, like at the club, we've got, four foreigners, um, a lad from Croatia, another one from Ukraine and a Colombian. Um, and the four of us kind of stick together at the training ground and whatnot because the, the Korean lads, I mean, some of them can speak a bit of English, but it's it's definitely hard to have a, a normal conversation with them. And we do have a translator there who helps us with a lot of things on and off the pitch and, you know, provides assistance for, you know, like Lauren, she's been going to the dentist and, He's gone with her a couple of times for appointments just to, you know, uh, speak to the dentist and, you know, pass on the information and what's needed and whatnot. So, yeah, he's been been great to have. But it's even with the foreigners, I mean, their English um, is their second language as well. So I'm really the only one at the club who my first language is English. So I often find myself coming and home to foreigners. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Uh, quite ignorant, I know. I should, yeah. should definitely try and learn another one, but uh, I think you you take it for granted, especially when you live away in a, a foreign speaking country. And like I said, it's I get home sometimes and I find myself talking to Lauren like a bit of a dirty because you know it's like, oh, hey babe, can you? Uh, you know, because I've been talking like that all day, yeah. slowly, you know, breaking sentences up for people. It's like you bring it home and. I feel like my English is getting worse since I've been here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's been a challenge as well, trying to have like a, a normal conversation with people. Um, that can prove challenging. I mean, the only time I get to do that really is either when I'm on the phone to someone back home or when I come home and talk to Lauren. And I mean, Lenny's not talking any English yet, but he'll soon catch up. Just <laughs> that's it. I guess it's just like uh, I don't know. If anyone saw the Jaden Sancho video, the interview after one of the his most recent games towards the end of the last season. Um, but yeah, he was being interviewed in English, but it was that because he was speaking to like a, a German, he, he, you know, broken it up and was, you know, speaking English like a German, if that makes sense. But it was just like, it was just really funny to like, hear think, that happen. I think Joey, Joey Barton's the famous one. Yeah, yeah. That's master. the one I was I think thinking of, yeah. The crack I think that we should eat from the full French. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So Steve, Steve McLaren, another one. I remember when he was at FC Twente, I did it. Oh, um, of course. 
Uh, yeah. It is. It's something you don't you don't like really envision yourself doing, but it always seems to. Well, everyone probably does it way. when you go away, right? Like I'm, I'm that's not, right. Traveling through Asia, it's like you know, you know you have to do it in a way. But oh well, that's good to hear. So uh, you're back running now. You you're injured, and then you you were saying before that you're back on your feet, getting yeah, getting the legs moving again, and hopefully not too far away from playing. That's it, mate. Back in with the team on Friday, so. Should be interesting to see how we'll get. Nice. Lovely. You can catch all the K games on Sports Flick, I believe, in Australia for those keen. Um, but yeah, Bryce, we're here to talk about the Euros. Uh, we're planning to do a 10 episode series, try and get a couple guests on the pod, maybe a few other Aussies that are playing throughout Asia. I don't know, we'll keep you posted on that. But the idea is to get 10 episodes out the whole European Championships and sort of, yeah, build a product around that. Um, we're all of English descent. We do have an Englishman in the panel, but Bryce, we are Brits as well. The England squad was uh, handed out this morning. We're recording this on, what is it? It's a Wednesday, the 2nd of June. So, yeah, earlier today, Gareth Southgate dished out his 26-man squad uh, cut down from the 33 provisional squad that he initially picked given the the late finish to the Premier League season. Um, yeah, quick synopsis, I suppose. What I'll, I'll get the list up of who got picked, but um, what did you think to start off? Um, I think they've got enough right-backs. Um, <laughs> I think they'll be sorted in that department. Uh, <laughs> I just think... It, it is a seriously tough job to have picked or to have omitted any of those boys. I think all of them are class players. Cole, uh, Kieran Trippier, obviously, winning the La Liga with Atletico Madrid. Cole Walker winning the Premier League with City. Trent Alexander-Arnold, obviously, coming back into form at the tail end of the season after a world-class season the year before. And Reese James has just been phenomenal this season as well. I think him in the, the Champions League final, I thought he kept Sterling completely in his pocket. Uh, the entire game, uh, and he was he was he was really really good. So strong, so athletic. He could play the ball real nicely and really composed for his age. So I think he's got a wealth of talent there on the right hand side. So it's going to be interesting to see how he utilizes uh, them all. But a bit gutted for Jesse Lingard after that run of form. I think everyone was kind of, you know, would have been a bit of a fairy tale story for him to come back. A bit of a he, he dropped out of the England picture and England fame for a couple of years there and really came back with a vengeance, moving to West Ham and having a really good run of form there. So I was a bit sad to see that, but just wild seeing the likes of, you know, Mason Mount uh, and Jack Grealish, like in an England major tournament side, it's something, especially with Grealish, it's been in the, in the making for a long time. Jaden Sancho, Jude Billiam as well, the young lad who's at Dortmund from Birmingham city before. It's just, wild how many like exciting young players are there and I feel like that hasn't been the case for England for a few tournaments having like a, a breadth, huge breadth of young promising talent in the squad so I think it's an exciting team and there's a lot of lot of promise there absolutely completely agree Granty how on earth is five right uh, four right backs going to get a game it's just not going to happen is it I think it all depends on the formation he's going to play if I'm honest with you um I mean, you've got Reese James who can play as a wing back, as can Trent Alexander-Arnold and 
Um, you got Trippier as well, who, you know, what a player, and he's done done the business in in Atletico. So, I mean, who's the other one? Carl Walker. Is it Carl Walker? Yeah, you got Carl Walker, Kieran Trippier, Trent Alexander Arnold, and uh, Reese James as the four right backs. But I'll, I guess I'll he, quickly he's play. definitely he's definitely got a headache, hasn't he? Um, yeah. in selecting the team. I know in the World Cup they did play with a back five and they played um, with two wing backs and which makes me kind of think that he's with including four right backs, especially with Carl Walker being in there, that he's probably thinking maybe along the same lines and playing Carl Walker at centre-back um, and then the other three fighting out for the, the wing back spot. I don't know Has what Walker you guys played think centre-back about before? Yeah. I think he has for Man City. Yeah, and I Three think times. that's what's... He's yeah. even played in goal, Bryce. He can play anywhere. True, he can do it all. He can do it all. He can. He? Well, he once can. you leave Tottenham, so, you can achieve anything. You can achieve the wildest dream. So, he it just, it, it just shows. It just shows. But, yeah, yeah I mean, he, like I said, he's definitely got a headache as to who he picks. For me, personally, I, I'd play Reese James. I think he's been the best of them, all four of them, without a doubt. Not just saying that because they won the Champions League, but I think he's an absolute weapon. Yeah, he's strong, fantastic. quick. Got on the ball. Um, yeah, he'd be my selection anyway. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be fascinating. I guess the full 26-man squad, for those that maybe haven't heard it or seen it, Dean Henderson, Sam Johnson, Jordan Pickford, John Stones, Luke Shaw, Harry Maguire, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Kyle Walker, Tyrone Mings, Reese James, Connor Cody, Ben Chilwell, Kieran Trippier. So plenty of defenders. You'd obviously imagine that. The right backs are going to be pushing up the pitch because there's only five midfielders, or you know, I mean, at least more defensive-minded midfielders. I would, I would suggest. But Mason Mount, Declan Rice, Jordan Henderson, Jude Bellingham, and Calvin Phillips. I think definitely you've already got you've already got the question marks lingering over Maguire as well. I know he's probably they're probably going to say he's he's going to be right, but you know, he obviously didn't play in the Europa League final. So just going back to that point with. Carl Walker playing centre back. That's, probably I think, why. probably another True. reason as to why why he's included him in the. Well, carry on, Stu. Not, is, Sorry, mate. Is that a, no, is that a weak midfield when you hear it? Well, this is my this is my only question, I guess. And you got like, I mean, who, who would come in? James Ward Prowse, James Madison. He wasn't picked in the initial squad, but James Ward Prowse was left out. But then you have got yeah. Harry Kane, Marcus Rashford, Raheem Sterling, Dominic Calvert Lewin, Phil Foden, who could probably. Playing midfield, Jack Grealish, yeah. Jaden Sancho, Bakayo yeah. Saka. We could probably play left. I think. Back. I think, like you said, when you when you look at the squad and all right, you're putting it into categories: defenders, mm. midfielders, attackers. A lot of the attackers are really attacking midfielders, aren't they? Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at it: Declan Rice, Phillips, and Henderson. They're the ones who stand out as the kind of the rock solid midfielders who. Mm. Who do the hard graft, and then everyone else is is chipping in elsewhere. So, for me, I mean, it doesn't. Yeah, if you're looking at like you know, like you have done them with the categories of midfielders, defenders, and attackers, it's kind of doesn't really do it any justice because there's players yeah. who are, can play all yeah. over the park. It's really interesting, but like players like say Calvin Phillips, one year or so in the Premier League, and then it's. He's in a major tournament at the Euros with England. It's just astonishing. Like, I feel like that didn't happen in previous tournaments. He had to be a real proven statesman of the Premier League in order to get a gig 
in a major tournament for England. Then you got like Jaden Sancho and Drew Bellingham, really young lads that are getting a shot, which is fantastic. But I feel it's like a change of mentality almost and approach from England. You look at the squads when we were kids, it was all players like were massive names had been in the Premier League and won everything with their clubs. And it's, I feel like the paradigm's quite like it's shifted a lot for England. Like if you have a really good season, you're in form and you show a lot of promise, you'll get picked. So it's, it's, a, it's a different, refreshing kind of approach. I think you're right, but I think he's also, I think one thing that Gareth Southgate has done is always generally looked at younger players rather over experience. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's that's one thing with, with the likes of, you know, Bellingham being in there. He was, you know, he was only at Birmingham 18 months ago and now he's bossing it in the Bundesliga and he's another one you can say he's, he's come from nowhere, really. Mm. Um, so I think he's definitely, he, he's looking to build and he's, Every every major tournament, I think he's using as an opportunity to do that. And obviously, he said he's come out. I think yesterday and said that if they don't reach the semi-finals like they did in the World Cup, it, it probably would be a failure. So they're looking to to top that this this time round. I also wonder with um, obviously Gareth Southgate's been in the England setup for many years now, right, was the under-21 manager prior to taking over the senior job. Yeah. So, you know, had his club tried, was manager in Middlesbrough, maybe another club, but, yeah. you know, hasn't, hasn't really cut it in terms of being a club manager yet. So sort of went back mm. to the FA and has managed all the youth teams at England um, for many years and now is in the senior job. But I think as a result, obviously, he's maybe seen players who were maybe playing at smaller clubs as a result from them playing in the juniors and he knows them better. I just did like the Calvin Phillips one. He got made his England debut before he made his Premier League debut, which is crazy. Yeah. I, know, I know that there was, a, there was yeah. a friendly before the Premier League season started last season, but Calvin Phillips got picked in it and actually like played for England before he played in the Premier League. So um, maybe there's a link there, but yeah, it's uh Set to be a funny one. Well, who's you pick? I mean, how far can England go? His semis, his semis of you know, if they get knocked out in the quarters, is that a failure? Is this squad good enough to win it, Alex? Uh, oh, without a doubt. Yeah, I think that they can definitely go all the way. I said that for the World Cup when we first started this podcast. So, you know, I'm confident with the squad and the players that they've got. They they're going on the right, the right path at the moment, and hopefully they can. Uh, you know, pull it out of the bag. But we'll have to wait and see because there's a lot of other, you know, good sides in there we've not mentioned yet. Sure, we'll get round to it, won't we, Stu? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. You know, like even like Scotland are in there this year. Um, yeah. Surprise that. package, so possibly. Love that. No, but it is yeah. great. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. Um, but, yeah, we'll have, to, we'll have to see, won't we? I mean, hopefully they get to the final and, and go one better. Who's going to win it, do you think? If, if it's not going to be England, then Alex, pick another team out and let's have a discussion about those. Will it be the Netherlands? Are they back? Are they back to their old ways of being the powerhouse they once were? I don't, I don't think anyone's convinced yet. I mean, they've got a good squad. Um, obviously, Van Dijk not being there is going to be a big blow. I think, you know, if you've got Van Dijk in any team, they're going to do well. Isn't that right, Bryce? I can agree more. I can agree more. Yeah, there you go. That's 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 the excuses coming out for Netherlands already. Um, but you know, you like Portugal. Um, can they go back to back? Um, and then you've got France. I mean, World Cup winners. 
I think they're probably everyone's favourites with the squad that they've got. We spoke earlier off there about Benzema being included, which was a surprise one. So I think they've probably, you know, well, they've got all the credentials there to win it. Yeah, so Karim Benzema Bryce is back in the fold after what five, yeah. six, six or so years away. Um, had off field issues. There was a blackmail blackmailing saga which kind of kept him out. I can't remember between yeah. who, but he's had he, all yeah. sorts of problems. And then what did he just fall out with Didier Deschamps? So he's just hasn't played for France since 2015. Um, yeah. But he's now 33 year old. He's back, back in the team. What is he? do to this team. I mean, Olivier Giroud, remember, famously didn't score a goal at the World Cup, but they still won the tournament. Yeah. Oh, Imagine having Benzema yeah, it's interesting. at your disposal. Yeah. It's an interesting one because Benzema will bring goals. I think that's what he's he's made a career out of it and one of the best careers you can possibly have out of it. And it's, it's wild to think France won a World Cup without him contributing or even being in the squad there. So he's obviously... For years, had a quite a famous and open falling out with Didier Deschamps there. So I think I think it's really interesting to include him back, to, considering all the confidence they would have gained from the last tournament. Look, we can win without him. So I think it's interesting that one. Maybe it's because Giroud hasn't been playing as much football this season that they need someone who's got some minutes in the legs that can provide a bit more up top. But I just think my favourites, the, the team I'm picking to win it is Belgium. I just think they're the team's really come of age uh, since the 2018 um, tournament. So I just think, I, I look at their squad now, they're all at that age where it's like, this is it. Like their golden generation, this is the tournament where the, if they don't do something in this one, then it's then it's a waste of an entire generation. And I know that that happened to England, obviously, with their golden generation. But I just, I've got a feeling with this Belgium team that they've, for me, they've got the best squad on paper. It'll be interesting to see how uh, Kevin De Bruyne freshens up after copping the Rudiger treatment in the face in the Champions League final, having to come off with a he broke his nose, uh, broke his nose and had another fracture there near his cheek or eye socket. So I'm sure he'll be fine for it, but just wearing a mask, which will be quite interesting to see. So yeah, I think I think Belgium's should be a red hot favourite there. Them and France are probably the top two squads in the in the tournament. Yeah, for sure. I mean. France, you got Mbappe, Coman, Thomas Lamar, Husband Dembele, Giroud, Toliso, Angolo Kante. Is he going to win the Kante? Wow, Ballon d'Or. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, it's been interesting that with uh, with Kante, the, the talk about him, and then they can, I've seen a lot of comparisons and people saying where's Casemiro's praise in the past few years, and they compare the stats, and Casemiro beats him in the stats. I just think it's. Kante is such a lovable character that people want him to get these awards. And he's an amazing player. Don't want to take anything away from him, but it's just quite interesting the the craze around Kante and the kind of cult-like status he has. So you, th- you think the push for him to win the Ballon d'Or is just built from a social... Is that like a social media push yeah. more than anything? Is that what you're I saying? I think it definitely contributes to it. Yeah, definitely contributes to it. Yeah. yeah. That's the way the world he's works nowadays, though, Rice. Yeah. You know, interesting so. to see how it goes with this. Yeah, but it'd be a great win. It'd be great to see him win Ballon d'Or. I'm not not saying I would like to see him there, but you get someone like Casemiro, who does what Kante does on a, on a on a level and has won multiple Champions Leagues and Real Madrid and stuff, and has not even been in the picture or the frame for a discussion. So it's just interesting that Kante gets spoken about in that light this year, and then Casemiro hasn't really had that treatment. 
I think when all said and done, I think looking at Kante, I think he's probably one of those players now who, you know, his position will probably be named after him. We had yeah, like a Makalele. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, and like everyone is well renowned that 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 position that he plays is kind of like the Makalele. Yeah. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me if we see it being called the the Kante in years to come. Yeah, for sure. Great shout. Great shout. Mm. All right. Let's go early predictions. I remember we did this years back, but uh, you're going Belgium, Bryce. Granty, who are you going, yeah. mate? Um, oh, it's hard for me not to say England, isn't it, as a fan? But I'll just say France. I think they'll do what Spain did. Win the lot. Give him a bit of Torres action, as you can see. <laughs> me, you know, mm. in that World Cup Euro double. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll probably get... What about you, Stu? Yeah, like, I... Look, I just... For some reason, I just don't think England are going to win it. Like, I don't know why. I just kind of feel... No like... one's no one's convinced, are they? they nah. Every major nah. tournament. And I think until they get that Hulu off the back and, and then you can seriously consider them. But, yeah, we'll see. Stranger Go things on. have happened. You know, Portugal winning last time. I don't think anyone predicted that, especially in the manner that they did. So, I think the Euros, I think now it's it's a much more even playing field amongst the squads. There's no... It's not just like the elite couple. I feel like there's a broader, you know, breadth of talent across the sides now. So I think it's it, like like we saw in the World Cup. So I think it makes for a, a really interesting tournament. There's a there's a film coming out, isn't there, about the uh, the Greece victory as well in 2004. I saw advertised. That'd be an interesting one. Oh yeah, yeah. Having spent um, some time at Florida Athena, they definitely uh, harp on oh, about that. that one, you never they? forget that. The trailer, <laughs> the trailer's on every Tuesday, Thursday. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> exactly right yeah but yeah strange things can happen so yeah let's see if England can England can do it so Stu yeah I'm gonna I'm well, gonna give us go. an answer Stu stop hiding mate. <laughs> I'm gonna say France as well I know that's a popular did you just look up the odds on sports bet and just check who are the shortest odds then no I just, <laughs> I, just, I just looked through their squad list and uh, yeah probably have to go France and then yeah. Harry Kane top scorer again which would be good but um, yeah it's it's I don't know I any one of those teams, it really could be anyone, couldn't it? We, well, he's like, in the shot window, Harry else. Kane, isn't he? So interesting to see how he goes, Put it, puts himself out there. Well, Not that he has anything to prove. Yeah, well, I guess, um, yeah, Harry Kane is in the shop window. As you said, he wants to leave Tottenham. There's all sorts going on in terms of managers at club level in Europe right now. No. Like Carlo Ancelotti's just left Everton to go back to Real Madrid. Zidane's obviously just left Real Madrid. Max Allegri's gone back to Juventus. Antonio Conte uh, has left Inter Milan. Maurizio Pochettino has been rumoured to be in talks for going back to Spurs and had been contacted by Madrid, but then Madrid didn't want to ruffle PSG's feathers too much because they want Mbappe. So there's just all sorts <laughs> going on. Um Manager's going back for the second time. I mean, it didn't really work out for Zidane at Madrid, Bryce. Is it going to be any better for Ancelotti, who only spent two years there, didn't win the league, and then he won the Champions League, won La Decima. But, um, yeah, so that's a weird appointment, is it not? Oh, I don't think it's too strange, to be honest. I think it's something that's familiar 
Real Madrid and, and a, a dressing room that's full of egos. Ancelotti is renowned to be able to control a dressing room full of egos and superstars like he, like he showed with Milan in their heyday in the mid-2000s. Um, he can control the dressing room and keep everyone on the same page and make sure he's a great man manager. He's known as one of the best in the world, which is why I thought the Everton move was you know, a bit of an, a strange one for him. Um, so I think Real Madrid suits him, and I think he, I think he'll be able to do the business there. Um, it'll be interesting to see what Ronaldo does. I think his next move. I think he's definitely done at Juventus there. So if he returns to Madrid, or if he goes to America, or tries another league to conquer, it'll be really interesting to see that. But such a an interesting merry-go-round there. Like Pochettino coming back to Spurs. Why would you go back? Like, do you think Daniel Levy is going to really back you now? after not backing you before. Like, it just seems really strange. PSG, like, it's, it's a nice job to have. And, I mean, he didn't win the league with them this year, but probably not his fault. So, it'll be an interesting one if he left there and then does Conte then go to PSG after that if he moves. So, it's going to be really interesting to see those couple of movements, movements there. And then there, I saw Stevie G was uh, in line for the Everton job as well. And I just, that was kind of quite <laughs> bizarre to read. So... Yeah, it's an interesting one. There's just plenty of permutations there, yeah. Al, what do you reckon? I mean, uh, who's going to get the Everton job? Is this perfect, perfectly <sighs> suited for Frank Lampard? Uh, Eddie Howe? I think Howe. there's a few in there. Yeah, Eddie Howe. I mean, Rafa. Um, yeah. That'd be an interesting one. His family still live um, in Liverpool, don't they? So. Mm. Yeah, David Moyes. You know, I know he's done well at West Ham, but could you see him return? Probably not. But you never know. I mean, like you said, a lot of things have, you know, been crazy with all these managerial appointments. So it wouldn't surprise me if there's another curveball thrown in the mix. I think that Ancelotti going, I mean, Everton haven't had a great season, have they really? I mean, they finished 10th and it's kind of been downplayed slightly because they obviously got that win. That win against Liverpool at Anfield. There you go. I'll just rub that in. Still yeah, Bryce. Tenth. Best season. <laughs> Look at us go. Tenth. Yeah, oh, I think... so funny. I think a few years ago, look, they were pushing really for Europe, weren't they? And they mm. were trying to... They were on the brink, possibly, of breaking into the top six, which, you know, when they got Ancelotti, you thought he's probably the, the manager yeah. who could definitely bring that. But it's, you know, not gone to plan. And he's left now, so they've got they've got big shoes to fill, and I think they've got a lot of trouble. They're going to have a lot of trouble finding someone really to uh, to bring what the club wants and what the fans want. Yeah, you think if Ancelotti can't bring the sort of players they need, I know James Rodriguez obviously went there, um, and Ancelotti's able to nurture that talent. If he's unable to bring enough talent and get enough backing, what kind of manager? can Everton bring in that will be able to get that kind of calibre of player that they need in in order to crack Europe? Hmm. Yeah, they, they definitely they need to sign better players if they want to do crack into Europe. And I think really Everton, they need to look at themselves as kind of a club who, you know, are more of a springboard, if anything, for players to, to jump on and, and then go on to, to better things, especially at this moment in time because... They're not going to be attracting big name players. Obviously, they got James Rodriguez, who is w- well renowned and, you mm. know, was a player probably 
at his peak, almost in that world-class level, but he had one good World Cup and then went to Real Madrid and it didn't really work out. So he himself was kind of stepping down a level. And I just think that if they want to progress, they've got to they've got to kind of find those hidden gems um, that they can kind of use to resell or to sell on, sorry, and then, you know, sign better players from there. With the yeah, money it's they, rare uh, for that, for like a yeah. springboard club to be able to crack that kind of top four roof that's existing now because of the resources and talent those big clubs have. So I think it's, it's a it real is. challenge for Everton, but they like, do they accept that? I think it's really hard for a, a club of Everton stature and their history to accept like, look, we're a springboard. We're not going to be able to do this. I think you're right. I think it is probably a bit of pill and these mm. clubs have got too much power. And I think Tottenham are another great example Absolutely. now where they've kind of, Arsenal, they've yeah. not performed. They reached, yeah, Arsenal, they reached the Champions League final going back to Tottenham and, and now they haven't had the success that the fans probably expected and the owner expected with the players they've got and the managers they've had. And and now they do need to take a you know a backward step in a sense and, and use the time now to sign players who will bring the club on, maybe not to the highest, you know, possible outcome, but get them to a point where they can compete again at the highest level with the money they uh, they generate from from these um sell-ons. Absolutely. I think it's, it's, it's very strange with Tottenham. Like, they made the Champions League final. They seem to be on this upward trajectory. And then they didn't invest and back Pochettino to make that final next step. They go, look, we made a final. Let's crack on, really give it the heat and see what we can do next year. It kind of just kind of stayed like that and then plateaued eventually. So I think that's why I think it'd be an odd move for him to move back and see if, what Levy would do because it'd be going against what Daniel Levy's done previously with Poch. So... Yeah, Pochettino, like the squad he he created there, and what it culminated in with the Champions League final, you just you thought they were going to be that consistent top four team after that, after that season. But yeah, it's, it's been a bit of a sad decline for them. I think the other other just going off that now. I think I've just come to come to mind the other talk of the town really is Ange Postecoglou as well going yeah. up to to yeah. Celtic. We haven't even mentioned that. No, no, yeah, that was, you know, that's, that's what I was going to say. That was the next one. In oh, terms of there you go. You, Stewie. <laughs> from you, Stu. There you go. Yeah, I mean, let's let's put an Australian lens on this discussion and this episode, I suppose. Obviously, Postacoglu going from Yokohama uh, Marinos in Japan where he's won the league title and he's you know transformed the way they play and he's adored by uh, the fans, it seems. Uh, I heard on a, on a podcast yesterday that it, there was fans uh, with banners at the game in Japan sort of saying, don't leave amid the speculation of Postacoglu heading over to Celtic. So, yeah, Celtic fans aren't pretty uh, aren't happy, but what a move that would be if like, an Aussie could crack Europe, Alex. I mean... It, is it confirmed? Real? Or is it not confirmed? No, it's not confirmed, it's yeah. It's still, it's still in the oh, works. Okay. Um, it broke on Twitter a couple of days ago, but yeah, I don't know. What, what, I mean, yeah, give us your thoughts on that, Alex. Being being an Aussie in the football world, a player, I mean, there's obviously what this stigma that always gets spoken about. I, I mean, Postecoglou's talked openly about it. If you got a you know an Australian passport, you don't get chances in Europe. Um, I mean, playing in England and whatnot, like, is that even when there's Aussie players at clubs and that sort of thing? Like, I mean. What, can you enlighten us into what this stigma may actually be, if there is one uh, that you can fathom? No, I don't think there is. And and 
I'll put a dampener on it, you know, for you guys because I don't really have. I've not seen enough from Ange, you know, to really comment because when I was in England, he was, you know, at the heights there when he was managing Brisbane Raw and then he went on obviously to, to coach the Socceroos. So I feel like Australian football on some level is kind of sheltered or, you know, in the background slightly. So there isn't that same exposure when you're in the UK. So I didn't really see his teams play so it is hard for me to comment but I know that everyone I've spoke to has said that his teams did play really good football and obviously he brought success with the Australian national team um, with a great great bunch of players some who have, I've played with um, and they can't speak highly enough of him you know um, and then he's like you said he's gone on and done brought success in in Japan so he's obviously He's got the credentials. I think it's just people in the UK finding it hard, um, you know, to fathom because yeah, because yeah, you, you swallow the, the carrot then. Shrewsy managers, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> it. I think they, they were just expecting a, a bigger name, like a Rafa Benitez or someone who who'd already won trophies in Europe and. And unfortunately, hasn't done that. But what an opportunity for him! It'd be, be unreal. I'd love to see him. Awesome. Be great. I mean, yeah, I think it'd be great for Australian football if he was to get that gig. Like Brisbane, he won titles, had arguably the best team in A League history there in terms of their running. I think it was the most consecutive wins in A League history they had. And then he went to Melbourne Victory, won the league as well. He's gone to Japan, won the league. He's gone to Soccer Roos, won the Asian Cup, uh, and then Japan won the league as well. I just think it gets to a point now where it's like, well, if he has had success everywhere he's been there in that, in that club landscape, maybe he's, I think he is deserved of a bit of this being his big shot. And then hopefully he can crack on from there. But I agree. There's this, it's kind of like, can you name an Aussie manager that's been successful in Europe? Like, I just don't think that precedent's there to go. Yeah, it can happen and it can work. And as much as you should take it on face value and what they've done, I think, a team like Celtic with their history and their pride, I think it's, it's sometimes tough for fans to go, yeah, let's let's give this guy his big break. It's like, no, someone should be established and have earned this from the biggest European stage and then come to us. But I can definitely see him doing a job and I think it'd be huge, like absolutely massive for Australian managers if he was to get the job. Yeah, and on a plus note, he... He won't be sweating as much in Scotland because I just I can just see it in my head now. You know those white white, sh- white shirts, shirts that he would wear. They just drenched and wet through over in the Middle East. Oh, so those Asian that, that's one thing you could especially in the Middle East. You could just see the sweat, just the shirts. Yeah, dripping off him. Yeah. yeah, what a um, guy. Yeah, I mean, like just looking at Aussies that have played at Celtic in recent times. Um, obviously, Tommy Rogic is carved out a lengthy stint there. Uh, Scott McDonald. I don't hear about him as much anymore. Yeah, no, I, I also don't. Um, but he's been there for you know, a number of years, had his moments, won trophies there at Celtic. Obviously, Scott mm. McDonald played um, at Celtic there for a number of years. So Arzani's uh, there now. Oh, Arzani was there, was on loan. But um, what if you just said battery at eight and draining, FYI? So Granty's... <laughs> <laughs> Come on, boys. What? <laughs> <laughs> just... <laughs> uh, that's all right. 
his uh, well, better. I, I, I can't get, I can't write it on a notepad now and show you in the. In the <laughs> no, that's all right. Um, I'm gonna do it on the chat. There's Aussie, uh, there's Aussie contingent there, but yeah, it'll be fascinating to see. And just quickly, these Socceroos as well. They've got their first game back in, God, year and a half, two years, nearly. Yeah, since October or the end of 2019. So they're up against Kuwait, and they've got a bunch of uh, different World Cup qualifiers coming up. So obviously, Graham Arnold's having a keen eye on that team with the Ollie Roos games coming up at the Olympics as well. This this winter Australian, so in this June, July coming up now. So um, got Chris yeah. Economides in the squad from Glory, which is good to see. Some Glory representation in the, in the Socceroos. Yeah. Adam Taggart, granted your mate, have you spoke to Tags about the selection, or have you been in touch with any of the boys or any any of the Socceroos um, boys? I haven't actually. I think it's Taggy's birthday today. Actually, I should drop in a Ooh. message. I better I do now because if I don't, and he sees this pod, then uh, he knows I'm <laughs> so. Happy birthday! Yeah, no, tag. it's good. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good to see Chris um, involved in that because he's obviously had a torrid time uh, after suffering an ACL injury last year. So he's been out for a long time, and he's come back and found form and scored a few goals. So it's a good opportunity for him to to get back on onto that stage because he did do very well in the Asian Cup in a couple of years ago. So yeah, yeah. well done, Chris. Hopefully, he's, hopefully we get another feature in the uh, paper like the Posh and Becks one he had last time. So uh, that's yeah. what it'll be buzzing about, yeah. <laughs> well. All right, that's um, a pretty comprehensive wrap-up and a bit of flavour of what we'll be trying to do, keeping a, an Australian outlook on things as well throughout the Euros. Um, yeah, fellas, how are we feeling? The first game of the Euros is next Friday, I believe, the 11th. So, match day one. We'll be, uh, yeah, hoping to release an episode before then. Uh, And then, Alex, you're going to be away in the Champions League for the majority of the tournaments. You're going to be on the road recording pods, watching every game. How's the Wi-Fi in Thailand, mate? That's going to be good. Hopefully good. I'll have to bring a few words. Maybe Granny's quiz can make a return or something Ooh. like that. Or, you know what, whilst I'm on the road, chuck a couple of segments in. I was scrolling through my phone the other day, looking at all photos from yeah. um, Glory, Glory Chats. And one photo that was in there actually was, can you name four the four players to have played in the Manchester derby, the Merseyside derby and El Clasico? I'll leave Steve it with you. McManaman. I'll leave it leave it to the list. Yeah, come on, Pat. Keep it to yourself. Come on. I'll leave it with you anyway. There might be more because I don't know how, how old this photo is. There may have been more yeah. since then, but it, it, it said four. But I'll leave it with you and you can get back to me on that. And for anyone listening, so, if you want to El Clasico, me a message. Merseyside and oh, Manchester. Yeah, apparently there were four right, players. I'm going to think about that and give you a message. At the time nice of, when I saw this photo, yeah. when this photo was released. So, yeah, get back to me on it. All right. Well, there we go. That's it for episode one. We've left everyone with a question to answer uh, or think about. And we'll reveal the answer next week. I believe this is the first episode. Uh, That's it. We've just done it. I'm going to upload this. This one's going to go on the YouTube page as well. I know I've said that a couple of times, but we've had a couple (laughs) of practice runs. This one felt the most like 
an actual. And they've been shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, this one actually felt like a half decent episode. Uh, maybe it's the backgrounds, but yeah, I'll be uploading the video versions because we're doing this on Zoom to YouTube just for a bit of a laugh. So at Shooting Zars on YouTube, of course, follow us on Twitter at Zars Shooting and on Instagram at Shooting Zars. Bryce, you're the socials man in this crew. We've got to get those socials fired up again. Um, we do. We have to get it get fired it up again. We'll get it shared. So we'll get the episode up over the coming days and we'll, um, yeah, we'll be bringing you back the pod over the course of the And for those that don't month. want to see our, our ugly mugs, they can, uh, they can stream it like the old days on a, on a podcast like usual on the Spotify and all that. So Yeah, it'll be on Spotify nice. and Apple as, as standard. But if you're working from home and, you know, I want to see three, Ugly mugs on your screen, then and show <laughs> the YouTube video. <laughs> anyway, Bryce back in his new pad down in Frio. Good to see you, mate. We'll be chatting next week. Alex, stay safe. Nice one. Uh, in Korea, best of luck with the rehab, um, and maybe we'll get get a guest on for the listeners as well over the coming weeks or week or so. But anyway, boys, any final comments? Belgium to win it. <laughs> there we go. Belgium to win it. Au revoir. Right, that's it. Episode one. Thanks for listening. Here comes Alan Shearer. It's Shearer.